You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, sponsored by Franklin Professional Associates, excellence in staffing and recruiting, and supported by regional leaders like Bemis Associates. Let's make amazing. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, coming to you from our chamber library here at our office at 860 South Street in Fitchburg. And Cat, who came to visit us today? Well, today we're with Carlene Kudak, and she is the Development and Communications Manager at the Casa Project Worcester County, and that is down at 100 Grove Street in Worcester. Thank you so much for joining us in the library today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, so Carlene, thank you for being here. And first of all, what does Casa stand for? So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates, um, and they are volunteers who work with children in foster care as they journey through the juvenile courts. I love the fact that there are people that are doing this to help juveniles with that process, but it's got to be such a tough, I mean, it just must be so hard on the employees and the staff to see this and to do all of this, but what a great joy it must be at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing, and it's really rewarding for the volunteers. So we have a, a really small staff. We have 10 full-time people and three part-time, and then we have over 220 active volunteers. So they make up the foundation of our organization, and we can't do the work that we do without them. And it's not just in, down in the city of Worcester. I mean, you're, you're working with children all over Worcester County, correct? Yep, all over Worcester County. So we serve from the New Hampshire border all the way down to the Rhode Island border, right through the, the center part of Massachusetts. For the children who are going through this, I imagine it can be a difficult process as well. So what's it like to have CASA there to help the children navigate this, what could be a traumatic experience in some regards. Absolutely. Most of the children that we serve have faced abuse and neglect, which is the reason that they've been brought into Mm -hmm. um, the child welfare system. So having a court-appointed special advocate or a CASA volunteer makes really life-changing impacts. Um, They are often half as likely to enter foster care or re-enter foster care. Um, They're more likely to do better in school. They they have someone that they can always count on and trust. So in the child welfare system, you have social workers and attorneys and all of these parties that are there for the children and for the case, but there's never anyone advocating for the best interest of the child or the siblings that are involved. It's always based on the wants or the needs because that's what attorneys represent. And social workers are maxed out with the amount that they can do. So having one court-appointed special advocate for one child or one sibling group means that they get a trusted adult for the longevity of the case. They are able to focus on that one child or those, you know, couple siblings, and they meet with them monthly. So they become a, a reliable, trusted adult who brings them backpacks to start the new year or holiday gifts so that they can celebrate the season just like the rest of us do. It it has a lot of positive impacts. It sounds like now that I'm listening to you that not every child has a court appointed special advocate. No. So right now we are serving on 16% of the care and protection cases in the Worcester um, juvenile courts. So a couple of factors have led to the decrease that we've seen um, in our court appointments. Um, So we only are appointed by the judges. So we serve um, Fitchburg, Levenster, uh, Dudley, Milford, and Worcester, of Mm -hmm. course. 
So there are five judges, six total seats that we serve. And we were hovering between like 30 to 35 pre-COVID. And then there are so many cases that are just at a standstill because of COVID and because we only have five judges out of the six seats. There is a lot of factors that go into it, but we've slowly seen a downtick in the amount of cases that we've been assigned. But one of the really great things that is going on now is we've since gotten a new first justice. Uh, First Justice Carol Erskine retired, and she was great as a partner. Um, But Judge Mary Beth Keating, First Justice Mary Beth Keating, she has really defined how she wants CASA to partner with her. So um, we're excited to hopefully see an increase in the cases that we're being assigned in the next you know, a couple months and hopefully into the new year. Mm-hmm. And so when a new judge comes on, do you have to kind of re-educate them or educate them, I guess, if you will, on what CASA does to say, hey, we're a resource here for you and you should be using us? Mm-hmm. Most of them have a good understanding of what CASA does. Mm-hmm. Um, they all assign us. So we get assignments from every judge that we work with. But I would say the first justice is the one that defines the type of relationship that they have with CASA because we are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We're not directly underneath the juvenile courts, okay. um, but we do function as a partner to them. And there's a lot of benefits to having us around. Um, but the first justice can say, you know, I want every single um, abuse case to get a CASA. It doesn't matter. I want every single case that the goal is reunification where the child is returned home after the 72-hour hearing to get a CASA. So they can kind of set these parameters that we can then hopefully see more cases come in because they've said CASA is important. I want to utilize their resources. Here's how we're going to do that. Now, you mentioned that you're not directly under the court system and you are a nonprofit, but I understand you are part of a national umbrella of CASA. Can you tell us about that and kind of the history of CASA. Absolutely. So National CASA and GAL, um, Association for Children, is the branch that kind of oversees all of the CASAs that you see pop up around the country. Um, So kind of a fun fact, we actually were one of the first nine pilot programs across the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, we are the longest withstanding in Massachusetts. We've been around for 42 years. And we also serve the most children, We the largest area. So that's kind of how we came about. But CASA overall actually was started because a judge saw that there was no nobody advocating for the best interests of the child or the siblings that were in the courtroom. He said, okay, I understand from the attorney what mom wants, what dad wants, what grandma wants, whatever party is assigned an attorney, whatever they want— But where in there is it, okay, but the child's best interests is to either be reunified with dad or to be in a guardianship with their uncle, whatever that might be. He he saw that it was nowhere to be found. So he actually started the CASA program and then it, you know, developed into this big national organization and nonprofits are popping up all over the place. And sometimes it's an umbrella organization underneath other nonprofit entities, but um, we are our own independent 501c3. So you were mentioning that you have 200 plus volunteers 
We do. How many children are you serving in the Worcester County? How Just your office. I would say we probably serve upwards of 350 children. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I can't get you, I can get you an exact number, but um, that is the number that the last time I checked we were at. And so what's it like when that Casa Volunteer builds that relationship? And I know you mentioned the backpacks or Christmas gifts and that sort of thing and building that rapport, but how does that relationship work when it gets to figuring out those best interests and figuring out what the child wants versus what might may or may not be best? And, And how does that come through when you get to the courtroom scenario? So I think one of the things that all of our volunteers excel at is just building an authentic relationship. Mm -hmm. And over the consistency of visiting every single month, it, it becomes almost uh, fluid for the child to just talk about what they want and maybe what they feel like is in their best interest. Um, Children are honest Mm -hmm. and they often are smarter than we give them credit for. So they'll, no, for the, for the most part. Um, and what they want often does align with what is in the best interest for them. So I would say being authentic and making sure that, you know, you don't need to bring a gift every single time, but when you say, Hey, look, I knew your favorite color was purple. So I got you a purple backpack and I filled it with new school supplies. So you can start the year off on the right foot. Showing that you care. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So for someone who has gone through and continues to go through so many traumatic experiences that are brought along with being in the child welfare system, those small um, connections really make a difference and they they matter a lot. Absolutely. I can see that. And you did mention that you are a nonprofit and you have some fundraisers coming up and we would have, we have to mention them. The first one is December 9th and that's your Santa crawl. I'm not going to lie. I read the name and I was like, I'm not sure how to participate, but then I read the rest of it. And it sounds like a really great event that's raising funds and awareness in the Worcester region in our area. Can you give our listeners a little bit of the details about the Santa crawl? Absolutely. So this is the first time we've ever done a Santa crawl before. But what we're going to do is we partnered with the Shrewsbury Street Italian Heritage Parade Committee, and they have decided that any type of... um, sponsors or ticket proceeds, anything, all of the profits will go to as a donation to CASA. So we're very grateful for their partnership. And they also have a lot of connections in the Canal District in Worcester. So we have, I believe, about 12 bars that are participating. Um, We'll start at the 107 tap with registration. And if you buy your tickets early by December 4th, um, they're only $25 and you're guaranteed a t-shirt and um, a drink ticket. But we also are selling them at the door for thirty dollars. Um, so if you you know procrastinate and you forget, you can still come on by <laughs> um, and crawl with your friends. So you can dress up in any type of Santa gear, Grinch gear, be an elf, whatever you think, holiday wise. Um, and then you basically bar hop Hit with the your bars. friends. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we'll do. Um, we'll start at the one hundred seven tap and we'll end at my ties. And we'll have some prizes there for best costume and things like that. So really, it's just a a really great time to see all of the businesses come together to support our nonprofit, um, whether they be a bar that's participating or one of the other businesses maybe donating a gift card or a raffle prize. 
That sounds like a fun event and a great way to raise funds for them. Coming up, you also have the Tito's Annual Cocktails for Casa. So this is actually already underway right now. Can you tell us about this program, which is going to be running until the end of January? And how did this pairing happen? Yeah, with Tito's. That's an interesting pairing. Yeah, so you would think it was such a peculiar pairing of child welfare nonprofit <laughs> and, and a you know vodka company. But Tito's is really charitable. Tito's mm-hmm. Vodka, they give back to their communities um, more than I think they really promote, which just means that they're doing it because they care. They care. They care. Um, so that came up actually last year, right after our special um, event, Champions for Children. They partnered with us to do a match at that. So they donated $5,000 towards the fund to need. And then they said, hey, you know, we run this other type of fundraiser. We would love to partner with you. And our executive director, Julie Bowditch, jumped at it because they pledge $10,000. And then all we really have to do for the legwork is find restaurant and bar partners to sell a specialty cocktail called Cocktail for Casa. Okay. Um, And for every specialty cocktail that's made, Tito's donates $1. That's incredible. Yeah. So it started November 1st this year and it will run through January 31st. Yep. And last year we did sell over 10,000 cocktails. So we got (laughs) $10,000. So we're hoping to do the same thing. Yeah. Now, how many different restaurants and bars and establishments have you partnered with uh, throughout Worcester County for this this year? So we have about 33 partners right now, which is more than we had last year. Last year, I think we hovered between 29 and 30. Well, So I imagine, you know, in addition to raising money, every time that someone goes into one of those places and orders a cocktail, one of these Casa cocktails, they're finding out about your organization. So there's also that kind of residual awareness going on during this campaign. Absolutely. That is one of the the other benefits of it is brand awareness. And of course we do love donations. They help yeah. our nonprofits stay afloat, but brand awareness is huge. And when people know about what CASA does, CASA project, um, they're interested in assisting and helping in whatever way they can. Well, and the fact that this time of year, you know, there's so many organizations asking for help and the fact that 30 plus restaurants and buyers agreed to do this is phenomenal. Yeah. it's And it's really Great publicity for them because they all they have to do is track their sales. They don't mm-hmm. have to match a donation. They don't need to, um, you know, make their own table tents or anything. We can get all of those items for them. All they have to do is track it and let us know come February 1st the sales that they made and then they're done. Now, we're not going to quiz you on the list of all the establishments <laughs> here, but is there a place where people can go to look at all the different participating partners if they want to get involved? So we do have um, all of the participating locations on our website, thecasaproject.org, under the events page. Or if you follow us on social media, we're really active and we have some different posts that have all of them listed out. Awesome. I I love the fact that that you have 31 participating businesses who are looking to help and get involved and raise awareness for what you're doing. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but we'll continue our Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast in just a moment. Do you have the right high quality employees to successfully compete and grow your business? Franklin Professional Associates team of recruiters in Lemonster is here to help you hire the best so you can be your best. Visit franklinprofessionals.com today. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Kat Deal, and we're chatting with Carleen Kudak from Casa Project in Worcester County. They're located at 100 Grove Street down in Worcester. 
Um, we're just going to talk about one more fundraiser. And this one happens to be um, down at Greater Good in Worcester. And um, they do a charity a month. And what month is CASA? CASA will be there in December. Great. Yeah, so every Thursday in December, Greater Good donates $1 per poor to CASA Project. And they're actually almost our neighbors. They're, our office is right down the street from their location. So sometimes we pop over there for meetings or to hang out for the day. We put some of our um, promo items, our giveaways out there, and we just chat with people about what CASA is. But last year we partnered with them, so this will be our second annual again. And last year we we made over just over $1,500. So they their generosity is really making a lot of a big change. It is. And, and people think that that's, that's not a lot, but that's 1,500 pours that a dollar was donated just on Thursdays in December. Absolutely. That's great. We, so everybody's got to go hit greater good. <laughs> yes. And um, just to put it into context, we always say it's about $1,200 to provide a CASA to a child or sibling group for an entire year. Oh, wow. So just from those donations alone, we were able to get another core appointed special advocate deployed to help children That's in Worcester County. That's, That's amazing. And when it comes to those volunteers, what kind of training is exactly involved uh, with someone who wants to volunteer with CASA when they first sign up? Yeah, because they don't just, they do a lot. Like they have to investigate situations. They have to monitor the progress. They have to do monthly check-ins. It's, it's a very hands-on position, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. So we always tell our potential volunteers right from the get-go, it, it's not a small volunteer opportunity. It's dedication. It can often be months long, maybe even years long, because we love to have the same volunteer on the case for however long it's in the courts, mm-hmm. which we're seeing now is, you know, year a year here, five years there. They It differs. But um, the training that they do is kind of the start of the rigorous volunteer opportunity. Um it's a 30-hour training. Some of it's done in a class. Some of it's done on your own time. But um, through that, they get all of the training about the court system, how to be an advocate, um, how to write a report, how to interview, because they don't just talk to the child. They'll also talk to all of the people that are in the child's life so right. that they can get a full picture. Um, but then after they graduate training, they're assigned one supervisor. So they work with that supervisor who oversees the case. And so their training is kind of ongoing. They're mm-hmm. able to chat with their supervisor whenever they need. They get help on report writing. Um, and we also do monthly, we try to do it monthly, um, a training called Ask CASA. It's virtual training. So it's any type of specific topic that could mm-hmm. be beneficial to knowing mm-hmm. when you think about their role in the courts. Right. When would they progress to having an appointment? Right after they graduate. That's it, huh? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're in it. <laughs> so you go through the 30-hour training, which is brought down from National CASA. Um, and then once you're done, usually the supervisors are kind of chomping at the bit, ready to get you assigned to a case. I'm sure. I'm and sure. what do you find is the biggest feedback you get from people who come in and do this and take on their first case or, mm-hmm. or from those who have been there for a while now and have done multiple cases? I would say, um, so I started when we were like kind of peak COVID and I would say a lot of them lost that sense of community because we couldn't come back together. Um, But now I think volunteers sometimes just don't understand how grave the situations are in the courts and how long the cases can take. And 
um, sometimes how sad the mm-hmm. cases that they could be assigned to mm-hmm. are. Um, but those are all things that we have help and uh, resources for. So we always do um, the the monthly trainings, but we also do quarterly coffee with CASAs where volunteers can just come. It's a, a closed off space for them to talk about um, their case details, you know, saving the privacy, don't use their names, things like mm-hmm. that. They can speak directly with their supervisor in person. Um, they can talk to any other team member that we have on staff and talk to the other volunteers, which are sometimes the most resourceful. So I would say, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things we get for feedback is it's hard. It's, it's hard. a hard job. It's hard. But I imagine it's got to be rewarding knowing that you're making an impact like that. Absolutely. And I think that's what keeps a lot of our volunteers going. Huh. Like we have some volunteers that have been with the organization for over a decade. And when so you help wow. a lot of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about what keeps you going, they usually say, well, I, I love building the connections. And at the end of the day, whether that child was reunified, whether they were adopted, whether they went into a group home or they graduated out of the system, whatever it might be, the impact that you had as a CASA volunteer will stay with them forever, which is very re- rewarding. And sometimes it can be a relationship that you can carry out if, it, if the child or siblings are interested. You can keep it going for however long you want. And for you, what drew you to want to come to work at CASA? So my mom actually was a CASA volunteer when I was younger. Yeah. And it's funny because I never really thought that that would play a role in where I would go. Yeah. But um, I had known about what she was doing and the impact that she had. And then in high school, I kind of wanted to be a lawyer. So I did a little internship through CASA with learning the legal system and things like that. And then after I had graduated from college, the pandemic hit. So uh, yeah. I was like, Ooh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I was teaching and um, teaching just really wasn't for me, but I knew I loved making an impact in the lives of children. So I was connected through one of my colleagues now. She's a good family friend. And she said that, you know, there was some part-time work that they needed some help with. I started helping with that and kind of stumbled into where I am now. <laughs> That's great. Generational work at CASA. Yes. There you go. And for listeners who want to volunteer and they want to help make that impact that you're speaking about, how do they start the process of of chatting with you and moving forward? So the application is on our website, thecasaproject.org. There's also a lot of information on there if you want more about what does it mean to be a volunteer. Um, You can look at our website. You can fill out the application there. And then every applicant um, is given a background check and then we do an interview with them to make sure that they are clear on the expectations and the potential time that the, um, the case could happen and the training and Mm -hmm. that it's not just a, well, let me pop in one Saturday morning. Nope. This is a monthly commitment and it's a couple hours a month making sure that they understand all of those pieces. Um, but that being said, our volunteers can be anyone. They don't like, we don't need lawyers. We, I mean, we love to have lawyers as volunteers, <laughs> but um, you don't need to have any particular background. We really accept everyone and anyone because a lot of people give great perspective and having that diversity in the pool of volunteers means you have a lot more minds that can give you different ideas and different ways to view things and different pieces of feedback. So we welcome everyone. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, whether you're going to head down to Greater Good in the month of, of December to get a pour on a Thursday, or you're going to hit December 9th, you're going to do the Santa Crawl in Worcester that starts at the 107 tap where you need to sign up. Or if you're going to get a cocktail at one of the 31 locations that they're doing the Cocktails for Casa where Tito's is matching up to $10,000, folks. Get out there and have a cocktail. Um, or you want to volunteer, be sure to head over to... The website one more time. TheCasaProject.org. CasaProject.org. Carlene, thank you so much for being a part of the program this afternoon, and we uh, wish you good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back with another new episode next week. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.